This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kiora, assalamualaikum. Welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. I am super excited to be sitting down and having a kōrero. Um The world is a little bit crazy at the moment, isn't it? It's a little bit hectic. There's a lot of things happening and um, it definitely has gotten to the point where I am a little bit hesitant um, to read the news, if I'm being really honest with you, because... I just, when I spiral, I spiral so hard and um, the news has been, yeah, quite the invitation to spiral these days just with everything that is going on. And if you're asking, well, Amal, what has been going on in your world? And it honestly has been a whole range of things. I mean, even though it's not, it hasn't been hitting the headlines, but you know, over the Matariki long weekend, the response to that, like things that happened in person, but also things that I saw online, I was like, this is actually not all good, eh? Um, And then, of course, the Roe v. Wade um, being overturned, the Supreme Court um, overruling that decision. Um, There have been a lot of mass shootings um, across the globe, um, a lot of terrorist attacks and lives that have been lost. And I think all of these things is kind of, it's just been brewing like all these thoughts and feelings and emotions. And I really wanted to spend today kind of having a corridor around, well, how should we respond and you know, what should we be doing at times like this? Because right now it feels like we're kind of on the cusp. And that sounds really, really dramatic, but I'm like, things, I think a lot of things are being threatened right now. And it's kind of at the point where it's like, as a society, how are we going to respond and how are we going to move on from this? Because you know, if I just go back to the point about Matariki, there was a lot of people who I saw like online, but also in person as well. Just the funny things that I overheard on my commute or, you know, things that um, people would say to me, you know, people were really, some people were really upset about the Matariki long weekend and, you know, upset that, um, you know, it was, the Māori New Year that was being celebrated and the fact that, that we're called Aotearoa. Like, there was a lot of that anti-Māori um, sentiment that, that was coming through. And I think the the fact that it was the first Matariki long weekend that we celebrated and, you know, Te Ao Māori was at the forefront, as it should have been, I think it really 
was what apparently seen as an invitation to share those sentiments and um, feelings and that's just so strange to me and you know with the whole um, Roe v Wade being overruled by the Supreme Court you know there's now talks about well what else can be um, overruled and kind of taken away and it's things like um, same-sex marriages and um, my mind has all of a sudden gone blank but you know there are other things that kind of are now on the line or people are worried about um, and I just yeah it just makes me think well as a society this is really the time where we can either let all of this kind of slide and happen or as a society we can be like actually no this is not our values this is not who we are this is you know we create space for all and um you know, all the stuff that's happening, I think it's just building up pressure, pressure, pressure. Um, and I think the real thing that will be, the thing that will be really, really interesting to um, see how it plays out. And, you know, when I say see how it plays out, it sounds like we don't have active participation in this. Um, and that's very much a lie. We do have a very active participation in this, but I wonder how we um, we collectively will respond to this in a way where we we do honour the diversity that we have um, in our world. And the first thing that I think is just so, so important is actually acknowledging your feelings, you know, however you feel right now. Um, I think emotions, even though as the way that we're brought up to think about them, you know, it's a, not a great thing to be emotional and how could you ever be a leader or how could you ever be capable of making decisions if you're just so emotional and hysterical. Um, you know, we've always, I feel like, appreciated um, that sense of leadership where it's void of any emotion because then if you're void of any emotion you can make clear hard, like decisions that are hard but um you know your your rational will always be right if if there's no emotions involved and I honestly think that's absolute bs to be honest I think emotions are so important to highlight what it is that you really care about and what you will fight for. I mean, I'm not fighting for things or advocating for things or people or co-papa that that I'm not that I don't get emotional about. If there's not a lot of aroha there, if it doesn't make me feel angry or sad, um, I mean, my all my actions are kind of ruled by emotions, and to me, it's a really good guidance on you know what are what are my values and what is it that's really really important to me and um and it's a-okay if everything that's happening right now it does make you feel really angry and and sad I think especially with anger it's it's emotion that's demonized I feel like if you are angry there's no good that can come from that right like and it's angers i always minimized and as someone who has experienced the repercussions of like the angry black woman stereotype um 
I think I always felt like I had to repress that anger because no one would ever take me seriously or actually listen to what I was trying to say. They wouldn't be able to see through that anger. Um, and as I've, you know, been unlearning and on this journey, I've realized actually you can hold space for anger and also love and hope and joy. And I think it's important that all of these emotions, uh, are present if we ever want um, collective freedom for everyone. I think these, um, all of these emotions are valid and serve their purpose. And and so I think before we even get to action or before we even get to doing anything really, if we want to think about how should we respond, we should begin by acknowledging our feelings because I feel like feelings are like a guest um, and they visit your life for a purpose and how you host that guest and how you welcome them and you know when you tell them to politely leave and um, you know how you allow them to show up in your space right having those boundaries um is really really important and even if it's a emotion that is has that bad label on it they're still just as worthy as a guest as other emotions that don't have that label um and they all serve their purpose and if you don't have that awareness i think it can be really really tricky to like properly enter the space and think about well, how should I be an ally and how should we respond and and how do I how do I fight and how do I advocate um you know it could easily learn lead to burnout or it could lead to um overconsumption it can it can just be a very very slippery slope if you're just not aware of your emotions or your feelings or you know what it what it can mean to you um and I just want to share a wee story on on this point I remember um in my like early teenage years when I first started thinking about um or getting into climate change and, and thinking about sustainability um and diving deep into the research because I'm a big fat nerd um <laughs> and so I love researching um and I just remember I was so passionate I just didn't really take the time out to think about my feelings um just because I didn't think it was relevant at all I was like well no I need to get the research done um I didn't make space for my um feelings and I actually got really really um sad and upset like to the point where it was seeping into other areas of my life that were otherwise going you know quite well I was just swimming along um but it really like bogged me down and I think you know this is not going to be something that's going to happen overnight we are looking for cultural change cultural transformation and that honestly takes time it will be generations it will be it will be a long fight ahead and you know we don't 
we need to also look after ourselves and make sure that we don't get um, bogged down by these emotions. And so, you know, for so many different reasons, acknowledging your feelings, uh, how you feel about a certain matter is really, really, really important. Um, And also, and another reason why I think emotions are quite important as well um and I think I'll um share a a personal story here as well um I think personally I've always I've always labeled that um emotion of like jealousy um as really really bad I've always thought it was a sin (laughs) to be to be jealous and I think actually only as of late like the past year or two um it's just been an emotion that I've uncomfortably been sitting with and it's made me realize um you know my own ego and my own biases and you know it's helped me highlight where my defensiveness is coming from and I'm not talking about um jealousy in relation to like me being um in you know in relation to like my journey with sustainability or anything like that just this is more speaking in general terms um but you know sitting with that emotion has that I always branded as ugly and as a sin has actually brought so much value and it's not easy like even talking about it now like my stomach's starting to go oh um, is a really uncomfortable, um, but acknowledging it has actually made such a huge difference. And I think maybe not the emotion um, of jealousy, but just like ill feelings that come up when people are in the space, like when people are really defensive or unwilling to listen, like they stem from emotions that people haven't really acknowledged like they really are a guide and even that is a further invitation um to figure out why and you know where did it come from and so once you have that awareness you can then think about well how will I show up differently and you know how am I going to be aware of my armor when I'm talking about this particular co-pup or when I'm talking about this particular issue when I'm talking about this particular um event because you know, we, because we don't often acknowledge our emotions, you know, our emotions, our biases, the, just our lived experience, the, however we've experienced them and however we've processed them, you know, we live life with an armor and sometimes this armor like really stops us from being a hundred percent vulnerable and a hundred percent present and, you know, to do this kind of work, you you actually just can't have you can't have an armor. You need to be in there one hundred and ten percent. And I think emotions play a huge part in helping remove that armor. Um, so yeah, please acknowledge your feelings. Um, they are really really important it's really important for your well-being it's really important for being able to you know remove that arm that I was talking about it's really important to help um strengthen your resolve and and straighten up that spine more right because as I was saying before this is really hard work and 
it's not going to be an overnight change and um it's hard it's not easy and they can bring down your spirit sometimes but you know acknowledging your feelings can help with that resolve and strain your spine more and and help you keep going so please acknowledge your feelings if you're you know reading and absorbing and interacting with you know what's going on with the world right now and you're like whoa this is bringing up a lot um please um start with acknowledging your feelings and um the next thing that I, I think we should really be mindful of when we are talking about, well, how should we respond? I think we should be mindful of, you know, the the trauma and the lived experiences that other people carry and actually how that colors how we interact with this world. Um, you know, just with the events, that the list of events that I was kind of talking about before, not only has that made me feel some type of way um I've also noticed that it's actually highlighted how divided we are as a community and sometimes I even hesitate to say the word community because I don't even think sometimes that we're there yet we're just kind of like a huge group of people who just happen to live you know in the same place or like have some kind of shared identity but really don't know how to live as a community and you know the word community to me is there's some kind of you know there's a sense of relation with each other there's an understanding there's a give and take there's support there is there's like a cushion that you can fall back on and you know that all of those things kind of indicates that it has to be like an intimate community and I don't mean it like that you know we live we all interact with imagined communities um it doesn't necessarily mean that there is you know a two degree of separation but you know things and people and systems have been weaved together but I've noticed that there is a huge sense of division and that actually is a little bit scary because when there is that sense of division that goes to show that there's actually very little understanding of you know what other people have gone through what history um they hold you know there is very little understanding like for example when just going back to the Matariki example when they're you know, when there was, when I observed a, a lot of that um, anti-Maori um, feeling, you know, those sentiments coming through, it just made me think of, I really, I, like, I'm curious, and I, I wonder, you know, what your understanding of colonization is like, because if you think about colonization, history and memory have been sharpened by the by the tool by the hand of colonization and you know how they say history is always written by the winners and and never by the losers i think it's something along those lines i really i don't like that phrasing though i don't like the phrasing of winners and losers but it's that idea that 
you know, those who have the power, um, those that are considered the majority have that, um, that privilege and that power to then write history. And I think that's very true when talking about colonization. Um, you know, at the hands of colonization, history, you know, has been sharpened by the hand of colonization. And it's this history that is then used as a tool for education. Um, and it's this story that is told so often, there's no room for other stories at all. And when there's no room for other stories, I think people literally forget. Like, to me, I've been trying my best um, and to do the work and really figure out my identity as Tangata Te Tiriti because I, I think when I, when I think about the struggles and of tangata whenua in New Zealand as a migrant person I think there's a a little bit of overlap there just you know that feeling of being marginalized and you know on the outskirts a little bit like that um that I understand but that Venn diagram that overlap overlap doesn't extend to the point where I'm like I don't overstep those boundaries of knowing that I'm actually a guest to this land. And so when I have that mindset of I'm I'm a guest to this land, I'm like, okay, there was a time before New Zealand, it, there is this identity of Aotearoa. But I think because of the hands of colonization, um, you know, that storytelling, that history has been sharpened in a way where people have actually forgotten that and and sharpened in a way where it's used as a weapon against other stories um and so when I picked up on that anti-Maori sentiment it just made me think of it made me think of that you know the ability of history and memory and, and who gets to tell that and and just I think in general we don't actually think about sometimes the trauma that that other people carry and and how that would color their interaction and and so from our you know understanding experience which is limited by you know our awareness by our lived experiences by our biases like our understanding of other people is limited by that you know in part um it's it's insane to me that that we are so divided and so limited by like our understanding of each other is limited by that and I think if we ever want collective liberation we need to push past all those things so that we can extend our understanding and so when we have that better understanding it's like okay like I understand how you show up in this way and why you show up in this way and what this means to you and and now that we have this better understanding of each other how do we navigate this together but if there's no understanding of each other there's no navigating um as a you know as a collective no everyone's just trying to get there on their own um which is really not helpful um, and one example that I want to share that I was, I literally was just reading about this morning and I was like, this is a very like excellent point that kind of shows what happens and, you know, our understanding doesn't extend so far. And so, um, 
I read this on Twitter and um, someone was just kind of explaining, you know, I think this has been, um, not the wrong word is triggered, but something along triggered. This was, um, this conversation, sorry, was, um, you know, set in motion because of what's been happening in America and um, I think it was a group of MPs, but I can't 100% remember what the context was. But anyways, people were, you know, voting, um, you know, for or against abortions and the result of this vote was there was actually um, a higher proportion of uh, Maori and Pacifica women who voted, you know, no, like, um, as in against abortions. And uh, one woman kind of hopped onto Twitter to kind of explain why, because there's um, a lot of people who are really upset and angry. And um, this one was explaining, well, actually, there is a really traumatic history, you know, where abortions were used as a tool to um, control populations, um, population numbers of um, indigenous people and, um, you know, it was part of the colonialist agenda and because of that history, um, you know, it makes a sense as to why there would have been a vote against abortions and um and then there was this really beautiful moment someone kind of responded and they were like you know thank you so much for explaining that um you know in my something along the lines of you know in my anger I couldn't see I just was clouded I couldn't see why or didn't even want to understand I didn't want to try to understand and you know that's just one example of you know, how we live with our assumptions and actually it's really important to be um, mindful and to actually understand why people feel and think and behave and, you know, believe the way that they do because it's not easy to assume. Um, It cannot be assumed and perhaps there is something that is sitting in your blind spot right now that um you have no idea about and that kind of um led me to another point um which is treat people's stories um as a gift and um and I think the reason why I particularly thought about this is that I think as a woman of color um you know get invited to spaces to you know share your story you know just share your story and you know underlying that is you know share your racist experiences or you know what is it really like living in Aotearoa as a black Muslim woman and you know it's not always easy to talk about like it actually is quite traumatic (laughs) um Sorry, nervous laugh. I I nervous laugh when things are quite serious. It's a very bad habit of mine. But, you know, some of these stories are actually quite traumatic. And funnily enough, or ironically enough, have become more traumatic as I've gotten older. Like, I think when you're... When I was younger, I was just like, you know, this it is what it is. But 
it actually was really, really traumatic. Like sometimes I sit back and I'm like, I genuinely cannot believe that happened to me just because I'm not Pakeha. I actually cannot believe that happened to me just because I'm not Pakeha. Like, and so to then be asked to share these stories, um, it's quite, it's a really, really big deal. Um, and not one that people can assume that it's just so easy to tell. And, and another thing that really gets to me as well is that, you know, being invited on the, you know, at the convenience of other people. It's like, okay, yep, now we want to listen. And I'm not to say, this is not, um, a you know, subtle call out to a specific individual or to a group. You know, most of the time I've actually had really pleasant experiences and I've been more than happy to share my story, but I just wanted to um, highlight that actually um, it is quite hard. And even though I'm happy to, it's still really, really hard to share that. And, um, you know, it's, you're asking someone to share just casually to share their trauma in front of in front of people and that's really not easy to do and that shouldn't be um undervalued and that should actually really be appreciated and treated as a gift because you know by me sharing my trauma it is part of that it's part of that experience of someone then going oh, okay, and now I'm extending my understanding. But that comes at the cost of me sharing my trauma. And um, as I said before, most, I've like never really, honestly, I've never really had a super, super bad, bad experience. And most of the time I've been happy to do that. So if you're listening to this and I've spoken for you at something and you're like, oh God, is she talking about me? No, 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 no. That's not the case. But, you know, it just comes at that cost. And I feel like that cost isn't really acknowledged. And then you also have to think about the fact that it's happening at, you know, your convenience. It's like, and this is me as a POC this is how I think about and I'm just talking about myself now it's like okay you're organizing something and it suits you to have me come to your event Um, and I'm not saying that's what people's intentions are that's really not what I'm saying but it's like the fact of the matter is that this actually me sharing your my story in this way is really convenient to you and but when I'm not speaking at events and I'm trying to share my story or share my concerns as a POC honestly it almost always falls on deaf ears and so I hope you can see why that makes me feel a little bit disheartened because um it's like it's either my story like people really want to hear it um but in a day-to-day context it's like almost always falls on deaf ears and and no one wants to hear anything and so it's really hard over time where it's like actually the only time where people want to listen is when I'm invited to speak at a you know a curated audience and the fact that it's not just a bunch of random people it's like people have come to this event so anyway so it's like a curated audience but where is that sense of solidarity 
um, or those same ears wanting to to listen when it's outside of these events and you know outside of these really specific moments in time and um, it's yeah it's really mind-blowing to me and so I think you know regardless of who that person is where they come from we should really treat people's stories as gifts and and not undermine them and in whatever context as well right I think you know the moments when I actually really did need someone to listen to my story um it really did fall on deaf ears and it just further fuels that feeling of well I actually don't really belong um and I only belong or I only feel like I can belong in like very certain circumstances and um that's not okay that's actually not all good because we know now that there are other ways to get that education and to extend that understanding you know that doesn't come at the cost of someone sharing their um trauma and I'm not here to say that no one should ever speak again at events and and all that kind of stuff I think it's really really important I really love the power of storytelling and it's up to that individual right like if I for me personally, you know, the way that I get invited and, you know, I like to understand the co of the event and if I'm like, yep, this is something that aligns with me, heck yeah, 1,010%, um, I'm out here, I'm, I'm in there. But in general, I think we really suck at treating people's stories as a gift. And, you know, when you get a gift, you treat it with care and respect and there's that sense of trust and... Um, the way that you engage with it, there is that, you know, there is that care. And I don't think we hold that for people when they share their stories, especially if it's outside of the context of like people speaking. Um, we don't treat people's stories as gifts when we really should. Um, and the next thing that I wanted to talk about when we are thinking about, well, how do we respond to everything that's going on is you know, being brave to figure out your own perspective. And regardless of, you know, who you are, where you come from, um, how you've been raised, I think there's all these expectations put on us on how we should think or believe or, you know, interact with, like, a certain matter. And I think I'll just share... um, my own story um just to help contextualize it a little bit more so you know as y'all know I'm a Muslim girl and um when we're talking about the queer community and Islam it's very very complicated it's very very complicated and um you know the way that I was raised um you know was told that you know queer relationships are not natural you know it's it's between man and woman and um and so you know people like I I grew up with you know people saying really horrible things towards um the queer community and it's like this visceral like disapprovement and 
I wouldn't say hate. I feel like maybe hate is a strong word, but like just, you know, visceral, like disgust and, and disapproval and, um, yeah, definitely sentiments of, um, homophobia. And so growing up, I literally never, ever heard of someone who, um, is from the queer community and is also Muslim as well. Like growing up, I just never, ever, ever heard of that. And I think, you know, even now it's really, really rare for someone to be, um, you know, queer Muslim and very open about it. Um, and even in like the like very liberal Islamic thinking about the queer community is that, you know, if you are queer, it's okay to feel that way, but it's not okay to act on it. Um, and there was a, um, imam, you know, imam's like the head of the mosque, um, and the mosque is like our, you know, the house of God, where we go to pray, um, like a church. And, um, I was reading about this imam over in America who has, um, openly like queer friendly mosque um but even then it's you know this imam is preaching it's okay to be who you are but then you need to draw the line on like actually acting on those feelings and 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 those beliefs so you know you can see what, what I mean when I say that it's very complicated um when we're talking about you know queerness and and islam and you know it's something that I, I would love to talk about more in a deeper sense um on another episode but it's just a very complicated relationship and and not something that is um widely accepted just because you know there's the the teachings of man and woman and that is the natural order so for me growing up this is this is how i grew up and um i think now that i'm an adult, I am someone who, I, I support the queer community, and I think people should be able to do whatever they want, um, absolutely whatever they want, and it's an attitude that I have been given disapproving looks for, um, it's kind of like this attitude that's been expressed to me, oh, if you support them, then you must be one of them, which is um, not true. I am, like, very straight, but it's like this idea that you, I cannot understand how you can support if you're not one of them it's like well actually no like as a straight woman my understanding has extended so much that there is that level of support um and I think uh I have been pulled up by um elders in the community like excuse me I I just don't understand how that could possibly be um and for me that's actually um a really big deal because I'm kind of going against the grain of how I've been raised and it's something to be honest I never thought I a conclusion that I would ever reach when I was younger um but I think my line of thinking is and this is I often don't talk about my religion a lot um I think you know I 
have spoken about almost everything else on the show but when it comes to religion and how I truly truly feel about it I feel like I don't talk about it that much but you know deep down I am really quite um, religious and spiritual even if my actions off the bat don't appear very um, Islamic like I know I'm, I'm not the perfect Muslim but the way that I think about it is that if um, Allah has given us the sense of free will and we can do whatever we want to do and we can be whatever we want to be why would we not give that same grace to other people if um, Allah has given us that same grace and so I'm um, that's why I'm just like as long as you know it's not harmful to anyone honestly you do you do whatever you want to do I'm, I'm here for it um, and I don't like how you know how the queer community has been marginalized that sense of freedom has just been taken away because people have the free will to to show up as the as their authentic selves you know whatever that means um and i feel like as humans we don't have the power or the right or we don't have anything um to be able to um impose on people like that um i think when we impose on people being their authentic selves that is really um, dangerous and really harmful and um, so you know that's how I think about it but it actually it took a really really long time to get to that point and to be okay with that and to be okay with being brave to like own how I feel about that as well and um, you know no matter as I was saying before like no matter where you come from you there will be expectations on how you should feel or think or believe about xyz um and as adults or not even as adults i think just as people we um should you know anoint ourselves with that courage to actually be critical and to think for ourselves. well actually how do i align on this matter what how do i truly feel despite you know what everyone else has told me or despite how i've been raised like how do i really feel about this and so you know being brave to figure out your own perspective i think is really really important um you know like just going back to islam um we in the Quran it says, you know, you have every right to be critical and to ask questions um, of the Quran, you know, of of Islam. Like, you know, you have the right to be critical and to ask questions. And I think a lot of us just kind of, I'm not saying it's a bad thing as well, but I think we just kind of absorb what our environment and the, and the people that um, are around us and you know sometimes we actually do just need to break that chain and to to be critical and to ask questions because you might come to a different conclusion or even if you come to the same conclusion at least you'll have a different understanding you'll have a higher level of awareness and you know be able to incorporate um, different perspectives but you don't actually even have that opportunity to do that if you are not brave enough to kind of figure out your own perspective and to be critical and to ask questions and and so I think that is really really important um and another thing that I wanted to talk about is um skills and emotions where we're talking about depth versus 
relation. And this sounds kind of weird, but I'm going to talk about it from a romantic sense first, because this is how I kind of understood this concept first, and then we can apply it in in a different context. So, um, you know, I'm married, and I've been with Arthur for, you know, feels like forever, but also it's just begun at the same time. Um, and it's been a really beautiful relationship um, for learning about myself and learning or kind of redefining the words like love and support and um, understanding and patience. Like it's just honestly, it's just colored my world in a, in a completely different way. And, and one thing that I've really, really um, understood um, since I've been with Arthur is that, you know, the love that you have for someone um, kind of, um, it un- it kind of relates this depth that you have for someone. Like, I love Arthur so so deeply, and um, you know, if you're digging a hole into, if you're digging a hole, I think my love for Arthur would take me to the center of this earth. Um, but just because I have that depth, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is the relation if you know what I what I mean and you know you know being in a relationship is really hard work and things like like active listening and things like understanding and um sitting with my ego and my defensiveness all these things that you know keep the relationship going that's where the relation comes from and I think for a successful relationship not only do you need to have that depth so that you know that aroha um, but you also need to have that relation to each other so you need to go vertically but also horizontally as well like you reaching out horizontally so then you can really you know touch that other person and connect with them um and and be with them and um you know I think Arthur and I have had to work um really hard so there is that strong horizontal relation as well as that that depth um and that love as well and um yeah, when I realized that, I was like, <laughs> mind-blowing, <laughs> even though it might not be mind-blowing to everyone who listens to this, but to me, I was like, oh my god, I think I just naively thought that all you ever really needed was that depth, um, and you can conquer everything, um, you know, I, I blame Joanne for this, JK, <laughs> JK Rowling, honestly, the way they hyped up love as that was the only weapon Harry had, and I think that is true, but I think I naively, um, I naively understood that, um, <laughs> um, and I think that same concept of, like, you need that depth and that relation can apply to other things as well, like, if we're thinking about, well, how do we how do we respond and how do we be better allies you can think of that depth being your passion or commitment um but actually we also need that relation as well and that's where you know pushing through your biases kind of un you know peeling back on what's in your blind spot um doing the work um 
figuring out, you know, where your money goes, where your votes go, like all these types of things, how you hold space for other people, how you treat other people's stories as gifts, how you be mindful of, you know, the trauma or the other things that people carry and how that affects their interactions. All of these things that I've kind of spoken about, they are skills or emotions that expand on that relation. And I think when a lot of people, you know, come into these spaces, they have that depth, they are pulled because they are, you know, very passionate, they're angry, they're upset, they have, you know, they have these things and, and that's important, having these emotions are important, we need that depth, um, but actually we also need that, um, the horizontal, we need the the relation as well and, and both are needed to kind of if we ever want, you know, that collective liberalism, um, you know, that collective freedom, um, we need both. We absolutely, absolutely need both. Um, oh, I've just noticed the time. There's actually, there's a lot more that I want to talk about. So maybe I'll continue this in another episode. But the next thing that I want to talk about is identity and, um, you know, who you are as in quote unquote ally or as an advocate or as a um, activist is not different to who you are as a person and I think sometimes we process it and understand it as if they're two different things but it's it's actually the same thing and the reason why um I want to talk about this and it just kind of reminded me, like when I was thinking about this episode, just kind of reminded me of the story that I had. And um, I can't remember when it happened in my life, but um, it was, oh no, it must have been during my school years. And um, it wasn't like an official, um, we were having a class discussion. Yeah, we were having a class discussion about this book. And for the life of me, I can't remember what the book is called. Um but we were talking about feminism. And at this time, I was at a uh, girls-only school. Not too sure if that's a detail that's super important. But anyways, I've said it. I was at a girls-only school. And um, this girl that made um, these comments, you know, she was someone who, um, you know, had that identity, I suppose, as like, someone who was an activist, um, you know, she was always talking about social justice issues, she was, um, heading fundraisers and, like, you know, doing all these things and, um, yeah, so she, like, really considered herself a feminist and this was, you have to remember, this was before, like, people really started talking about this, like, Back then at high school, if you were talking about this kind of stuff, like you were considered really uncool and the internet hadn't really taken off. People were like using Facebook to nudge and poke each other and like post, hey, how are you doing? Like post actual conversations on our timelines. Oh my God, Facebook has really evolved. But just all of these things, I just want to kind of paint what it was like back then. And it makes me sound like I'm really, really old. Um... I know that I'm not super old, but let's just say a lot of things have changed in the past 10 years. And um, 
And so people weren't really, really talking about this. Um, and so, yeah, she was like, yes, I'm a feminist and I, I fight hardcore for all of these um for all of these social justice issues, and I think there was also, like, the sense of righteousness, like, yes, I am, like, a better person than all of you guys, um, and so we were talking about this book, and we were having discussion about feminism, and, um, you know, and then this girl said these things that made me think, oh, wow, your feminism really only extends to fellow Pakeha women, and, I really wish I could remember what was said, but I honestly only remember how I felt. And um, and then I think I said something along, along the lines of, well, actually, like, in my community, this is how we think about this, or something along the lines of that. Like, I was kind of just bringing up my lived experiences, and I was like, well, actually, this is how we think about it. And then she basically, like, shut me down. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, like, really really bad about myself and I just remember thinking well okay it's very obvious that your feminism like really only extends to fellow Pakeha people and right now like you really actually did not listen to me you just shut me down so you even like in this moment anyway you don't it's clear that you don't even want to listen and I think I just remember thinking this is really confusing because like as a person just now like the way that you showed up for me really wasn't cool but then like she had this huge identity as being like this activist and I was like you have told me a lot just by that one interaction and I think we I'm not trying to say that she is a bad person um, but I'm just saying it's interesting how you know we have the these two different identities like who you are as a person and then your identity as an ally and if you have this identity as like an ally or activist then you there's this assumption that you're an all-round excellent person have nothing to learn super aware but it's like actually we all have something to to learn and who you are as a person is actually who you are as an ally as an activist and you can't separate the two and I think now that I knowing what I know now and now that I have a bit more self-confidence and belief in myself I think I actually if I went back in time I think after class I just would have pulled her aside and and I would have had a deeper corridor around it because I think you know everyone has the ability to regulate reflect and redo and you know when you know better you you do better but I think because there was this identity of, you know, I'm an activist, there's nothing more for me to learn, those opportunities to, you know, regulate, reflect and redo just never really came about. Um, and and so that's why I'm like, this whole separating the identities, no, 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 it's not a thing. Like, it's actually just who you are as a person. And I'm not saying there's this expectation that we need to be perfect because we make mistakes. Like, I make mistakes all the time but you actually need to reflect and um reflect and redo and and know better and and to do better but I think we're setting people up for failure when we do separate those two things when they're actually one and the same um I actually have to wrap up the episode here um but these are just kind of my 
thoughts and feelings and things that we should be thinking about when we're talking about, well, how should we as a society respond to everything that's going on? Because it sounds dramatic, but I genuinely do feel like we're kind of at this um, pressure point. Um, and there are a lot of things that are being threatened and um, we should be thinking about, well, how, how do we respond? And, and so these are just some of my thoughts. And there's actually a lot more that I want to get into, so I'll have to pick that up for another episode. But thank you for tuning in to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. To keep spinning the yarns, let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Headscarves and Good Yarns or email us at headscarvesandgoodyarn at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.